0: On the face of it, who would have thought that a prostitute would play a part in a Bible story, let alone someone who let a town or city be trashed? And yet only two women are personally named in Hebrews 11, a chapter referred to as the Hall of Fame and of Faith, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and Rahab, the harlot of Jericho. Sarah was a godly woman, the wife of the founder of the Hebrew race, and the mother of Isaac. But Rahab was an ungodly Gentile who worshipped pagan gods and sold her body for money. And one could say that, humanly speaking, they had nothing in common. But from the divine viewpoint, Sarah and Rahab shared the most important thing in life, they both had demonstrated a saving faith in the true and living God. In the book of James, he associates Rahab with Abraham to show that true saving faith proves itself by good works. But there is more. For The Bible associates Rahab with the Messiah, Jesus. For if you read Matthew's genealogy in chapter 1, you will find Rahab listed there along Jacob, David, and others of the messianic line. Think about it, Rahab had come a long way from pagan prostitute to being an ancestor of the Messiah. But as Romans 5 verse 20 says, but where sin increased, grace abunded even the more. But bear in mind, the most important thing about Rahab was her faith. And scripture reminds us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. But what kind of faith did Rahab have? Firstly, I would say courageous faith. In both the book of Hebrews and of James, they write as Rahab having a faith in Jehovah God even before the spies arrived in Jericho. Like the Thessalonians, she had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Jericho was one of many city-states in Canaan, each ruled by a king. Its size was about eight or nine acres. And there is archaeological evidence that doubles sorry, that double walls about 15 feet apart, protect the city. And remember, Rahab's house was built into the wall. Now Jericho was a strategic city in Joshua's plan for conquering Canaan. For after taking Jericho, which divided the land from north to south, it would be easier to to defeat the cities above and below. You might remember that 40 years earlier, Moses had sent 12 spies into Canaan and only two returned with encouraging report. So after these 40 years in the wilderness, Joshua wanted to know for certain how the inhabitants of Jericho would react to the people of Israel. You see, Joshua knew that God had given him the land and the people were sending out the spies, not as a sign of unbelief, but rather that that of a good general would want to know the enemy before war commences. And you can question how the spies managed to enter the city without being recognized as strangers, or how did they manage to meet Rahab? I feel we must believe in the providence of God here as we watch this drama taking place. Rahab was the only believer who trusted in the God of Israel and God brought her to the spies. One could question, was she really a prostitute? As the Hebrew word for harlot can also mean one who owns an inn. But in both James and Hebrews, there is no escaping it. for They both use the Greek word that means prostitute. Don't you think it's remarkable How God in his grace uses people we might think as unsuitable or unstable even. But God has chosen foolish things of the world, putting shame on the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. Jesus was a friend of publicans and sinners. And he was not ashamed to have a former prostitute in his family tree. Rahab took a life in her own hands when she hosted the spies. But that was evidence in herself of her faith in the Lord. But answer me this, how do we defend her lifestyle? How can we understand about her lying, about her guests? As believers, we should not tell lies. But maybe, again, we are expecting too much from a new convert. Even Abraham and Isaac resorted to deception. And we must remember from only a few weeks ago how David fell from grace. Secondly, I would say she had a confident faith. You see, true saving in faith involves the whole personality. The mind is instructed The emotions are stirred. And then the will acts in obedience to God. By faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not yet seen, the intellect, moved with fear, the emotions, prepared an ark, the will. Now Rahab's experience was similar. She knew that Jehovah was the true God, the mind. She feared for herself and her family when she heard about the great wonders he had performed, the emotions, and she received the spies and pleaded for their safety of her family, the will. Unless the whole character is involved, it is not the saving faith as the Bible describes it. I'm not saying that the mind has to be fully aware of every doctrine in the Bible before we can be saved? Think of the woman who bled for 12 years. She only touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. Or the centurion who said, just say the word and it will be done. Rahab's knowledge of the true God was limited, but she acted on what she knew and the Lord saved her. In many ways, she had more faith Then the 10 spies, some 40 years earlier, when she said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Her faith was based upon fact, not just feelings. She had heard about God opening up the Red Sea at the Exodus. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In Joshua 2.11, Rahab says, The Lord your God, he is the God in heaven above, and in earth beneath. What a confession of faith from a new believer. She once worshipped many gods, and now rejoiced in one God. Rahab also believed he was a personal God. She said, your God, who would work on behalf of those who trusted him. She believed he was the God of Israel, who would give the land to his people. And this God was the God of heaven and earth. But here comes our challenge. Our salvation is not based on what we know from the Bible, or what we feel in our hearts. It is also based on how we live. If there has not been a change in our behavior, then it's doubtful we have been born again. 2 Corinthians 5. To say, Lord, Lord, is not enough. For we must obey what he tells us to do. And Rahab's obedience gave evidence of a changed life. Thirdly, I think Rahab had a concerned faith. But she was not just concerned for her own safety, but that of her family. Remember when Andrew met Jesus... He went to share the good news with his brother, Simon, and he brought him to Jesus. How about the cleansed leper, who went home and told everybody he met what Jesus had done for him? However, for Rahab, it was different. Having sought assurance from the spies over the safety of her family, they warned her not to tell anyone other than the members of her family. Otherwise, the agreement was canceled Isn't that quite a a contrast to the believers' relationship to Jesus? For we should tell everybody that Jesus has paid the price for us. If Rahab talked too much, her life was in danger. But if we don't talk enough, the lives of lost people are in danger.
1: Sometimes I question if we ever
0: take that seriously. That by us not sharing the best news on earth, we're allowing people to eternity in hell. But lastly, I want to say it was a covenant faith. An agreement between two or more parties with certain conditions to obey. When I trained for the ministry, I wrote about God's covenant with Adam and Eve, God's covenant with Noah and with Abraham. So before the spies left Rahab's house, they reaffirmed their covenant with her. They had no idea what would happen other than that the city would fall and the land taken. And so a scarlet rope was to be hung outside a window of her house which, as you may remember, I said, was built into the wall. Even such a display could raise questions
1: as to why it was there. Rahab
0: was a woman of great courage. She had to tell all her relatives about the coming judgment and the promise of salvation. And she had to trust her family for not telling the king.
1: So, what about us? Have you ever thought that God has not got a plan for your life?
0: Or that you're not good enough for Him to use you? If so, think again. Maybe you've said or done things you know to be wrong, with an ugly past knocking at your door. Or you feel that you could never be accepted by God. Maybe you see the great difference in your life and the scriptures. Just as it is easy to be ashamed of past actions, you know that it's easy to feel ashamed of your lack of godliness. But you wish to come to a life of purity and goodness, but are far off. I have to say, there is nothing you could do, ever do, or have done can separate you from the love of God. I want to say to you, don't give up. No matter how dark things seem, you have a future and a hope. Just like Rahab of Jericho.
1: Amen. Take a moment to think and reflect upon what has been spoken this morning. And ask God to challenge you.